Hey, this is Devin Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Uh, welcoming you back to the Love You podcast, and this is a very special podcast. Normally, I teach you everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and love, and today, I brought a good friend of mine in. Her name is Rhonda Britton. She is best known for fearless living, teaching you to leave, uh, live a life without limitations, without fears. She, I, I, I couldn't do her justice via professional bio. I know her as a personal friend for the past five or six years, but TV show called Starting Over, Emmys, you go into her house, you actually see Emmys. Um, you think I put out a lot of material and content Rhonda's a one-woman content library, everything there is to know about leading a fearless and powerful life, and I'm very excited to have her here today. Thank you, Evan. I'm very honored. Um, I've never interviewed anybody before. I'm usually the interviewee, so I'm, I'm, uh, if you see any discomfort, it's real. Um, I, I, I don't exactly know how to do this. I know how to have lunch with Rhonda and talk about all sorts of stuff, but I've never done it with a preset list of questions, so forgive the awkwardness in advance. She's the star of the show today because she's got something to offer any woman who has let her fears get in the way of finding true, lasting love. And so before we dive into the whole thing, uh, we're both a little verbose, so we're conscious of time. Could you give me sort of the 90-second, I'm Rhonda Britton, here's how I became uh, star of stage and screen? Oh, wow. Okay, 90, 90 seconds. You didn't say Go. 90 minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> 90 seconds. 89. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, Emmy, four best-selling books. But how I got here really was changing my own life. You know, over. Well, I'll just I'll just kind of give you a little short version. Is um, my life changed when I was 14 years old, and I went through a, a horrific experience. And no one should go through this. And it has everything to do with love. And mm, is it irrelevant? I, mean, I know the story, but is it irrelevant to share, or it takes us too far afield? No, I think it actually is very relevant because it's talking about love. Okay. You know, I mean, my father said he loved my mother. My mother stayed with my father out of love. And I think so many times fear keeps you blinded to the relationship you're in, or blinded to the relationship that you could have, right? So fear just doesn't let you see it, or it keeps you stuck, right? Okay. So when I was 14 years old, I went through a horrific experience. I'm going to do the short version about um, it was Father's Day, and I had the horrific experience of watching my father murder my mother and commit suicide in front of me. And they were getting separated, and uh, I did not plan to watch my parents die. I planned to go to brunch. And when they died, when my father took that gun out and screamed, you made me do this, you made me do this, and my mother's screaming, don't you dare, don't you dare. And the gun's pointed at me, and I think I'm dead. When I was the only one left standing, because I was a sole witness, it really shut me down to love, right? Because, you know, it shut me down to, like, am I lovable? My father didn't kill me. And my father didn't stay alive for me. So here I am, like, stop, Dad, stop. And he, I'm not, I, no voice. No, he doesn't care what I say. And then when he leaves me standing, it's like I'm not loved enough to be killed right? In some weird sort of sure. way, right? So that imprinted me for years. For the next 20 years, I blamed myself. I tried to kill myself three times. I became an alcoholic. And so all these things, all in the quest to really talk about, you know, do what we're talking about today, which is love. You know, I just wanted to be worth loving. And I wanted to be enough, you know, so I drank to feel comfortable, right? I drank to sleep because I had nightmares every night. I tried to kill myself because every time I was the man, 
it would end poorly and I would blame myself. So regardless of your history in love, I think that the way you're raised as well as the history of love makes an impact on your now. And if you don't kind of own that and take responsibility for that and really see, well, am I being run by fear or love? It's gonna keep you stuck in love, right? It's gonna keep you from finding that love, being open to love, being willing to love, and actually being willing to change for love. Because I think that's what you're brilliant at. You know, you're so brilliant at helping women see what they need to see in order to start opening their heart. And it takes great courage to do that. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. I think it takes great courage. So um, that is how I, you know, in my healing, 20 years after my parents died, uh, you know, I kind of took back my life after my third suicide attempt and realized I better figure out how to live. And that was my journey to do what I'm doing today. Didn't think about you or anybody else, right? I was just saying me my own life. But in fact, when I started working on myself, people started noticing and I started realizing maybe this just wasn't for me. And so when you say, how did I get here? How am I around to Britain? It's really all about that day mm -hmm. and my willingness to get over it. And then now my willingness to um, help others get fearless, but also me fearless every day. You know, my journey. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't restrict you to 90 seconds. That was, <laughs> you know, it's important. I mean, I, I, I know the story, but it's, it's important to, yeah. to, to get people's origins, except for mine. Being a customer service representative at J-Date <laughs> has very little to do with my formative experience uh, as to why I'm a dating coach. But that, that's... It's not, it's so not true. It's uh, so not true, yeah. But enough about me. Um, so your business, your brand, your passion yes. is understanding and overcoming fear what are yes. what are some of the more common fears specifically surrounding the pursuit of love oh well fear of rejection right fear of rejection is a huge one and people talk about that all the time you know i don't want to go on that date i don't want to go to that networking club i don't want to go there because i'm afraid of rejection or the fear of loss um you know the fear of change uh the fear of failure etc you know so and the fear of being unlovable Fear of being seen as worthless, fear of selfish. I mean, there's so many subtle fears. You just that, rattle that off. Well, because it's it's so it's so embedded, and that we don't even know it's happening. I think mm -hmm. that's that's one of the things that I really have identified is that you know I don't think most people say they're afraid, right? Now maybe maybe you know your audience would because they're they're a little bit more courageous than most, but most well, people. I think they're they're self-aware, and that's why they're that's why they're seeking help, yes, right? And they're, yes, no, yes. Like, if if the only problem is the world in the world is that guys suck, right? <laughs> right then it doesn't really matter what I say. Yeah, guys yeah, are still yeah, going to yeah, suck. Yeah, yeah. So so the, the the possibility that that's only fifty percent of it, and fifty percent is what you know what could you do differently right, is what right. leads people here. That's right. Um, but I wanted to more pointedly ask these this these lists of fears that you rattled yes. off. How do they subconsciously run? Your life, because you said they're yeah. not even aware. Oh, not so even aware. People, so how does that how does that operate? What's a good yeah, example? Yeah, yeah. So so for instance, people say, "Well, I'm a perfectionist," or "I procrastinate." You know, haven't put your dating profile up, right? Or you, um, you know, you're afraid to go on a date, or you know, you constantly evaluate yourself and say, "I'm not ready," or you know, you don't think you're pretty enough or smart enough, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you make up all these excuses. We have these lovely things called excuses, and we know those really well. Well, those excuses are being driven by our fears. So if I have a subtle fear, an insidious fear. Someone would, someone would, would interrupt. Mm -hmm. Someone. 
and, and say those excuses are real, and, and that's well, that's where it gets and, and you tricky. Know what? But 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 but, right. but I want to say the truth is <clears throat> that every excuse. This is the difference between a complaint and excuse in the world around Britain. A complaint is. You know, oh, I don't like my life. Uh, uh, uh. And you and I can look at each other and go, you're complaining. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm complaining. And we can kind of call each other out. But excuses do have a seed of truth. If Agreed. I don't feel pretty, I may have just gained 10 pounds. And there is a seed of truth. It's not coming out of nowhere. It's, it's not, not silly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not real, silly. It's real. But it's it, not real real. But it doesn't have to necessarily dictate your entire exactly. there, choices. You may are, have been brokenhearted. Yes. Right? You may have gained weight. You may be older, right? All those things might be real, right? But because you're comparing yourself with your past version of yourself or a future version of yourself or with your best friend's happy marriage or whatever, then you can't see your own fears at play and you take those excuses as facts. And then you take those facts and you go, well, then I can't do it until, right? Until I lose weight, until I you know, heal my relationship with my father until I get over my ex. I'm so glad that you're saying this. <laughs> no, because here's, here's the truth about Rhonda and I. Is we, we, got, we, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Car Carol Allen, uh -huh. and we instantly hit it off and um, have maintained a close friendship ever since. And she's been to my house a bunch of times and met my family. And, and the, the interesting thing is I'm not as familiar with all of her work. I haven't gone through all of her archives to hear what she says. And so the fact that she she's um, uh, offering her wisdom and that it has such a great overlap <laughs> with what I say is just heartening. I would, validating. It, it's very validating yeah. because, again, you've been doing this longer than I have. You've had immense yeah. success. Thank you. And um, I sort of I make stuff up and I sort of stumble into it. But yeah. the, the, the difference, right, you, you, uh, between that, the, the excuse which has a basis in reality but isn't the full reality but we treat it as a fact, as, as a big roadblock that allows us to not, it just paralyzes us. Yeah, but I, and, and I think it's really, really key that we own that there is some truth to it, yes. right? Because I, I think that's the other thing. It's like, oh, just, oh, no, you haven't lost weight. You know, no, you haven't gained weight. No, no, you don't have to heal your, you, you know, so then you get, people dismiss it. Like, just, just forget about all that and don't do that and just do it, right? And then you feel like a crazy person. Excuses are real, and I think that's where people get caught up, and it's like, you know, people dismiss them. Like, oh, you haven't gained weight, but you have gained weight. You know, you are older, right? And so we kind of move into a dismissal of what's really changed, and we're not really willing to grasp what is, right? So I think fear tries to keep you in the future or in the past, and it does not want you to be present. It doesn't want you to be present to really get in touch with, you know, what you really want, who you really are, what's really moving through you, so that you can actually find love. So what do we do in light of the fact that the excuses have a basis in truth? Yes. Yes. Right? We can't. We don't want to dismiss them and That's pretend correct. they're not. They're not there. We don't want them to paralyze us and leave them as excuses for uh, inaction, sadness, paralysis. What do we do about the fact that there are these real obstacles that turn into fears? Yes. Um, that actually are run from fears. Yeah, the so, obstacles yeah, wh come where, where, where do you unravel yeah, that? Yeah. So, so first of all, this is what happens: is we have this thing called a, I'll just call it the Rhonda Britton world of core fear. Like you have a core fear that's driving you. If you're not awake to that core fear, you're going to start doing behaviors. You know, so maybe a fear of rejection is going to cause you to volunteer, right? And volunteering, you know, maybe at the hospital or, you know, at your local charity makes you feel really good about yourself, right? Um, but then you start doing it 
gives you that sensation of like, oh, people like me. I get loved this way. And you keep doing it and doing it. And all of a sudden, you're not dating. You're not doing anything because all you're doing is charity work. And then you get burnt out, right? So it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we have this underlying fear. If you don't know it exists, it'll start giving you permission to act out. Behaviors that don't serve you in the end, that keep you stuck, that make those excuses feel really real that you can't get over them. They, you start hearing negative self-talk, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Make sense? So those fears are what kind of overwhelm, anxiety, um, um, you know, self-hatred, beating yourself up, uh, self-deprecating, et cetera. We could go on and on. So my job is to help you identify that fear so that you know where it's coming from. So it's no longer like, why am I doing this? I'll tell you why you're doing it. You're doing it because you're afraid. And there's a hidden fear underneath riding you. So what do you do? Let's say you, let's say you identify fear. Let's say right now we have a client in front of us and they're like, but I did gain weight and I am older and my life is over and I can't, how am I ever going to stop, right? Stop. First thing I would say is forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive the man. Forgive the, the past. Forgive the ex. Forgive. There, well, there's no value in holding on to that anger. It's not that the, the observation is false. No. It, it is harder to date when you're older. It, there, are, there are fewer options if you've gained weight. I mean, that's all true. True, yes. But to carry around that negative weight and tension and disappointment, right, like a backpack, um, just doesn't serve you. You only need one. Yeah. Well, I get that, and I say it all the time, but how do you manage to, I mean, is there a process by which one can relieve themselves of yes. that? Yes, yes. Because it's one of the hardest, it's the greatest conundrums of, of giving advice. You know, I'll, I'll tell people, you know, get over, you know, like, how do you quit smoking? Well, you just don't buy cigarettes, and I'm not saying it's but easy, that, but if but you don't, if you, easier if, said than done. if you don't, yeah, if you don't possess cigarettes, it's hard to smoke. People tend not to like that answer, even though it's true. You can't smoke without cigarettes. Know, How does one a, choose to stop beating well, oneself up? There's an emotional component. So I can give you an exercise to help alleviate the beating yourself up. But before we get there, I, I just want to go back to the forgiveness piece because, you know, we're emotional beings. And when you're having a visceral problem called, I want to open my heart to love, it has to be solved with a visceral solution. It can't be all solved in your head. Your head is way smarter than you, and that's where you get beating yourself up, right? And that fear drives you. So, um, so let me go back to the exercise uh, that I can support you with about beating yourself up. Sure. So let's say you beat yourself up. I'm not. I'm sure. overweight. I'm too old. I'm whatever. There's an exercise that I use in fearless living called acknowledgments. And when beat, when you when you beat yourself up, you have a tendency to lower your self-esteem, lower your self-confidence. You know, basically feel bad about yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. You might feel really good about yourself 90% in your life. So I'm not saying this is you know in every area this, all the this time. Is the this 10 is 10% that's sabotaging everything. 10% that's sabotaging. Hey, even 3% sabotaging yeah. everything. And if you don't take responsibility for that 3%, the 97% of your life, yeah, it's going to be good, but you're always going to wonder, right? So I have an exercise that I give my clients called acknowledgments. And their job is to do the following. At least three to five times a day, they say, today I acknowledge myself for. And they acknowledge themselves for any movement forward. And I don't care how small. It could be a new thought. So I want to get really clear because most people are focused on how well they did something. I could give a crap. They're just doing it. Just doing it. But not only even doing it, even thinking a new thought. Yeah. If you haven't dated for 12 years and you're thinking about dating, you know, you're listening to us right now, you're watching us right now, that is revolutionary. That is like, oh my God, I'm doing something different. Sure. So you want to acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. So today I acknowledge myself for and really focusing on movement forward. Not how well you did something, not how perfect you are. 
not how, oh, I've solved all my problems, but really just have I moved forward. So if you complain 10 times a day and you get it down to nine, I'm like, yes, you're amazing. In, in, my, in my Love You program, we have that in the first month and it's called yep. Small Wins. And yep. there's a thread on the uh, online community yes. where you celebrate any small win. And a little. It, right, you, you might have gone to a party and smiled at a guy. That's and right. you, you might have That's deleted right. your ex from Facebook and every little thing Every is a step thing. in the right direction. That's right. So because it opens your heart and it gets rid of the past because you have to get present in order to move forward. So that's where we go back to forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a critical component in really seeing your own innocence. So I'm a big believer in seeing your innocence and seeing the people around you's innocence. So the guy who broke your heart, the woman who left you at the altar, all of those things, they were caught up in their own fears. They were caught up in their own stuff, right? And so to blame yourself and use that as a validation or an excuse to no longer move forward just proves over and over again how subtle fear is. Because fear is as smart as you are, as educated as you are, as spiritual as you are, and as knowledgeable it as you like are. Sounds like it's a mirror. It, and it's good, right? It's good and it wants to keep you at all costs safe. That's what it wants to do. It wants to keep you safe. It loves you. So that, that brings me to my next question. And, and it's... I almost have to make the distinction. It's not. It's not the kind of question that I would answer because I try really hard to, right? You know, you, if you're afraid of something, you dive into it, right? Mm -hmm. But, that, that but you, sometimes you can't do that. Of course, but 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 as as a coach, that's sort of the going yeah. philosophy. But but you're also faced with clients who say, as you said, aren't some fears healthy? Aren't some fears protective mechanisms to stop me from getting hurt? Well, there's well, getting if if you want to. If you're using fear to protect you from getting hurt, you already know that's fear, right? Because it's not about protecting yourself from getting hurt. And let's, for the sake of this conversation, talk about two types of fears. Emotional fears, the fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of change, right? And then the instinctual fear of staying alive, right? So you get into an elevator, you get a weird feeling, and you go, I better get up this elevator, right? But then you're raised in the Midwest like I was, and you better not get off the elevator. It'll make him feel bad. So you stay on the elevator and bad things happen, right? Mm -hmm. So instinctually, we have a literal, our whole body is a barometer. Our body is always giving us information. So the closer you are to your own skin, the closer you are to your own bones, the closer you know yourself, then when you get into that elevator and you feel a little odd, you know the difference between that voice of fear versus the voice of freedom talking through you, and you go, oh, this is about safety, I need to get off the elevator, right? So there's an instinctual fear, you know, just basically survival, but then there's the emotional fear, because how the brain works, uh, you know, I'm a neuroscience geek, and how the brain works is that it doesn't know the difference between real or imagined fears, doesn't know the difference. The brain also, how, they, uh, how they've discovered just in the last few months, the neurobiology of how we work is, that our fears are literally handed down by our DNA. So you may not even know why you have a challenge with intimacy. You may not even understand, you know, you may not be able to think of a memory in your past why, where this happened. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the why, 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 right? And instead, it very well may be handed down. Not all, not, all, not all fears are handed down, but a lot of our fears are handed down through our DNA. So you may not know why, and you've got to choose to move forward anyway. So finding out the why keeps people stuck, right? I agree. So, so it's, it's like, you know, fear is as smart as you are, as educated as you are, spiritual you are. It uses everything it knows against you to keep you safe, emotionally safe. So how does this backfire? Because, the, again, the idea that I've seen is, you know, I, I, my last book is called Believe in Love. It's I, really... It was so good. Oh, my God, I thank, devoured that thank, thing. 
But so no, seriously. I love and that again, I'm not. I, I I'm I not a fear it. expert, but it but was it's, so awesome. But it's it's again. There's a tremendous you amount. You don't of believe in love. Tre <laughs> tre tremendous oh. amount. Tremendous amount. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> tremendous amount of overlap in what we're talking yes. about. How explain in your language in your experience? We got you know a minute and a half or so. Um, how this this lack of belief, right? This this fear, this protective me yes. mechanism, actually backfires from helping you achieve your real goals. Yeah, well, but it doesn't know it's trying to keep you trying to backfire. Its job only has it fear only has one job to keep you safe, and in the world of the where we live, how that looks is safe and stuck and small. So that's its job. So it's not backfiring, it's doing a really good job. Got it. Okay, so there's no backfiring. You actually have to use your frontal lobe. So there's a thing called the amygdala, which is our fear center, and the amygdala, which is our consciousness where we make decisions. Cortex. Cortex, yep. We have to actually use that mm -hmm. in order, instead of the amygdala in order to move forward, right? right? So if we let our amygdala decide for us, we're always going to get ourselves in trouble because we're being run by desperation, by our fear of loneliness. And if you're being run by that, your decisions are not going to be clear. Your decisions are always going to recycle. recycle. What I have, what I've developed is something called the wheel of fear, and it shows how you just go around and around and around and around and around. So, it, it, your job is to actually go. Okay, wait a minute. My fear is here to keep me safe, but I, Rhonda Britton, I, Evan, want to make a different choice. And you have to actually choose to make it, right? That's a great stopping point. This is Evan Mark Katz. This is the Love You Podcast. We will be right back with the incredible Rhonda Britton. Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. And this is the Love You Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men. And you're back with my guest, Rhonda Britton. And we were neck deep in a conversation about subconscious fears, making them conscious using our cerebral cortex right. to overcome that, that primitive fight or flight mechanism that happens. Uh, and often ends up running our life, including our romantic life. So, But it's so subtle. That's yes. the thing. You know, that, that's, that's, really, that's really the name of the game here because it's so subtle, right? We, we don't think we're afraid, right? We think we're just being smart. We think we're just being, you know, conscious you know, or cautious, right? So that's one of the things. That, that's where the forgiveness comes in because I think, you know, if you continuously think you're choosing what's best for you and then find out, it hasn't really gotten you where you want in relationship, you have some healing to do, right? And it's also really hard to change course and or admit that your defense mechanism is not serving your greater long-term goal. If you want love and yes. you opt out of love, well, we've got a problem. Yeah, yeah, you're safe, but it's safe solitude. That's right, that's right. And unless you really get that it's not your fault, there's nothing wrong with you, 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 there is nothing wrong with you, you know, you're not purposely activating fear. You're not going, I am now going to activate my fear. It is so quick and so subtle, so unconscious. You don't even know you're doing it. But one might say, because right, these, these get tangled, right? Yes. There's nothing wrong with me. Yes. Right. Yet there's obviously something wrong with me well, there's that this is happening. Yes. This might be normal. Yes, yes. So how, how do I let myself off the hook right. if I'm so afraid of going on a date with a strange guy, 
sleeping with a guy who might reject me, yes. sinking two years into a relationship without yes. getting a proposal. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, it's, but how do, yeah. I, how do I? You basically have to let go of results. Right? Ah, it's very Buddhist. Yeah, yeah, well you do, you have to let go of results because if you're dating with the goal of getting married and that's your only goal, then you're going to be jaded and you're seeing you are going to shut off signs that this person may or may not be the right one for you. You are going to cut off opportunities because if marriage is your goal, you are going to have such a singular focus that you will then eliminate or pretend or justify having that goal. So you will date people that are inappropriate. You will last two years even though you had red flags two years ago because your goal blinds you. So if you have a driving goal out of desperation, and now I'll use the word desperation for me. I know that's when I'm in fear, is I will start feeling a little desperate, right? Specifically um, around? For me, about relationship, right? Like I'll start feeling a little desperate. Now you may have a different, like people have different feelings, right? People might feel lonely, they might feel anxious, they might feel overwhelmed. And these are all very common. They're very common, but to know that that's your feeling, like when I'm and desperate. Just to be able to like label it. Label it. Oh, oh here, that's. In, in this moment, that part of me has been triggered. I'm it, not going to decide from that place. Yes. I am not going to decide from desperate. So if I'm desperate, I run to Britain, don't make a decision. I don't take action from that desperate. I know I've got to stop. One, I've got to let go, forgive myself for having that desperation. I'm human. It's part of our neurobiology. You can't get rid of it. So when people say, I want to get rid of fear forever, it's like, well, that you'd have to get a lobotomy because yeah, that ain't happening. You, you manage it. You, you, you love it. You know, ah. you love your fear because fear is really only trying that, to that's, support that sounds, you. That sounds big. That sounds like it a... It is. A, it is. Right. Imp I ask that's what I want people to do is love their fear. Because fear is really only loving you. I mean, fear doing what it's doing is not doing it to sabotage you. It's doing it to actually say, oh my God, Evan, when he was three years old, his mother did this or he got this when he was five. And oh, by the way, it's done through his genes, so it doesn't even have a, an event. So fear's only job, like I said, is to keep you safe. And it's going, oh, yeah, this going out with this guy or going out with this girl, this is dangerous, right? I don't know. You should, you know what? You, you know what? You should sit back because let's, you know what? Let's go have some ice cream. You know what? You know, Game of Thrones is on right now. Let's, you know what? Let's focus on that. That's interesting. And, and so, so fear isn't doing it to hurt you. Fear isn't doing it to, you know, cause you to stay stuck. Fear's only doing it because it only has limited information. Okay? And that limited information is based on the past, your neurobiology, your DNA, et cetera, et cetera. And it wants to make sure you're safe. That's its job. So when I feel desperate, I know, okay, this is what I know. If I'm feeling desperate, it means that I am right now willing to take a risk, that I have already shifted. I wouldn't feel desperate if I wasn't already shifting. Sure. So then desperation comes up and I go, you know, I'm like about to make a move, right? I'm about to do something. Maybe I just did something right? And I got desperate afterwards, right? I had a reaction to just taking that risk, right? So desperate comes up. The desperate isn't meant to stop me. The desperate is meant to say, by the way, this is new and different. And just by the way, love me anyway. And oh, by the way, love yourself anyway. And let's keep going. So um, this brings up something in me, which again, I don't want to uh, you're on such a roll. I don't want to bring you know, it on. I know, but it's, I don't want to make it too much about me. I never felt like I had much fear when it came to dating. Mm -hmm. I had a ton of fear when it came to everything else. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm like I'm in general an anxious person. I don't do you know. You're never gonna catch me uh, 
surfing or bungee jumping or anything like that. But that's a lot, all a lot instinctual fear. fears, not emotional fears. Okay, I'm saying, um, no, again, I, secure mm -hmm. attachment style, parents married for 30 mm -hmm. years, but I never really had a fear in dating, yes. but I know one of your core principles is that everybody has some fear that they're not good enough. That's right. That's so right. How, how, how do we address that? Because again, someone's watching this and saying, nope, that's not me. <laughs> I guarantee you that nobody's saying that. And, and this is why. Just like I said a minute ago, you recognize that dating is where you're like in the flow. You're not, you don't have fear in dating. That's awesome. That's wonderful, right? That's awesome. That makes your job really easy. So if somebody's sitting there saying, no, it makes I'm it not hard. It, make, it, it actually makes it hard right. okay. because so it, it makes it harder for me to identify. Yes. Right? I have many fears about not being, a, being the best businessman or, right. you know, my t 20s was a total wash and I had no success whatsoever and it was a lot of self-loathing that I was 30 with no resume. Mm -hmm. So am, am I going to land on my feet? How, how yes. Am I going to get the life that I want? Yes. So I, that's where all my fear went, but yes. it's not in this arena. And yet this is where I coach, yes. a place where... I have trouble identifying with some of these. I don't. I'm. I'm not enough. I'm feeling desperate. Like yes. candidly, like yes. I'm. I'm very, very fortunate. Yes. And it allows me to say, what would a confident person? What would a secure person do in this situation? Yes. But I'm weaker in actually understanding and putting myself in someone else's shoes. So you get to do the great job of building a bridge, right? You get to build the bridge. So what I mean by that is, I may not have the same actual experiences you right you know I may not you may not be afraid of dating and love right but you have other fears so you have felt anxious sure. and overwhelmed right so how we connect is not through actual experiences that's why you know gender sex all those things I may not you know I'm not a man and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, but you and I both have felt grief we both felt sure. concern so we can connect on that feeling level Right? So I don't have to have the same fear. So you know what it feels like to be anxious about your career. Sure. They're just feeling anxious about love. Got it. Right? So it's, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, your job and my job is to have the deep understanding how courageous it is every single day to take risks, mm -hmm. to go outside your comfort zone and to say, okay, you know, I, by the results I'm getting in my life, this is where you do look at results, the results I'm getting in my life do not match where I want to go. Right? I, I am not... You know, I always ask people, are you, are you becoming more loving? Are you becoming more open? Are you becoming more supportive? Are you becoming more, you know, compassionate? You're pulling away, right? shut down. Right. So if you're pulling away, shutting down, that's not okay with me because I know that's a fear response. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean you don't get to have a pity party for three hours? No, go have a pity party for three hours. Get some brie cheese, caviar, well, some have it your way. Some people's it. pity party lasts four and they decades. Don't get to, and they don't get to do that, right? Yeah. If they're listening to us right now, they don't want to do it, right? What, people, what I believe people want is full permission and validation to go where they want to go, and they just want reassurance that it's okay to go there and that we're there to catch them, right? That's, that's the job we get to do. We, our mm -hmm. job is we get to catch them, which is, like, to me, the greatest thing. that We get to hold their hand until they can, you know, go off running by themselves, just like, a, just like your children, right? You know, you get to hold their hand just like we get to hold our hand. So my, what I believe my job is is to literally stand for people until they can stand for themselves, hold their hand until they go off running, right? To remind them of the truth all the time. And then to obviously educate and teach them how fear works so that when something slaps them in the face, when they want to crawl in a hole, when they don't want to go on that date, they know that's not them that wants to do that. I am not going, I am, you know, you do say I'm afraid, but it's not really you. It's that 
unconscious, subconscious fear that's wanting to keep you safe, you get to decide something different. So what I ask my clients to do is actually separate themselves from their fear. So, you know, here's fear, right? Here's, I, I, you know, if you put your hand on your belly or you know, your arm right now and you just go, okay, if I, I'll just put on my belly right now, this is the exercise I give my clients, is I go, okay, now breathe, and your hand goes up and down, right? So fear, that's like fear, it's like right on you, right? But if I can show you how fear is not who you really are, I can actually take that fear out and you can breathe, right? You can take a nice deep breath for the first time and go, oh, this is who I am and that's fear. So let me separate myself from fear. That sounds very uh, Michael Singer from Untethered Soul or mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle, right? Like oh. just if I could observe it, I am not it. Yeah, if I can observe it, I am not it. And you have to take yourself back, right? You have to take yourself out of your own process and actually look at your process, right? And, you know, what I do is I actually just help people understand how fear works. Okay. That's, uh, I, I've, lear <laughs> I've learned a lot in, in uh, 30, 35 minutes. Uh, we're going to take a short break. I don't know if there's a time to take a break, but we're going to take a short break. I'm going to figure out what I, what I want to wrap up this amazing interview with, and we're going to be right back with the Love You Podcast with Evan Marquette. Hey, this is Evan Marquette. We're back for the last part of today's Love You Podcast, my first ever interview with the divine Rhonda Britton from fearlessliving.org. Um, uh, my my head is exploding, and there's so many things that I want to ask, and I'm bound by the limitations of time. So, uh, among the many questions I have, I want to sort of dive into the one where, let's just say that you're healthy, right? As healthy as one can be, mm -hmm. given the fact that everybody possesses some low-level fear that um, that impacts yeah that impacts their life. Yep. But some people are more fearful than others, and yep. people. Some people live more fearfully than That's others. Right. That's correct. What happens when you are with a partner whose life is driven mm. by fear mm. and paralysis yes. and right, uh, no before yes? Yes, yes. Um, well, you get to be, you get to become a really great communicator, and you get to become a really great role model, and you get to up-level your compassion and skills. I mean, when you're in a relationship with somebody else that, let's say you're on this journey, right? You're on this journey, you want to be more fearless, you want to be more loving, right? You want to be more actualized and whatever that looks like to you, and your partner's sitting back. Well, one thing might be going on is your timing's off. And I think that one of the fallacies of relationships is that everyone's timing's the same. Um, I have a client of mine that was like, I'm ahead of my husband and you know, he's not spiritual and I'm spiritual. I hear that I, a lot. And I'm going to leave him. And I'm like, and I literally was like, ah, no. Um, people think that they should be like that. No, you're, you're going to be like this and then this and then this. And uh, there's no reason to leave. So during this few, period, few years that I was, uh, and I'm still coaching this particular client, um, you know, she was really adamant. She saw a divorce attorney because she wanted to free herself and be free to be herself. Eat, pray, love, did a yeah. number on her. I, and I said, you know what? No, like I didn't say no to her, but I basically coached her, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, you what, you know, what's what's so bad, what's so good, and we really went through the pros and cons, costs and benefits, etc. And where she was, where she was wanting to leave is because, you know, he wasn't where she was, and I thought, well, you want somebody to be your twin? That's really self-referential. That's really narcissistic. Narcissistic, and that's not actually practicing loving the person in front of you. 
So if they're not able to move past their own fear, they don't need your, uh, you know, abuse or, you know, they negative self-talk and compassion. criticism. They need your compassion and love. And not only just compassion and love, but also supporting them through good communication, learning, really understanding how to take care of your needs. So my client during this period of time started getting really strong because she was kept on trying to make her husband, right? Yes. And then when she quit trying to make her husband, I said, no, honey, sweetheart, just go off and do what you want. Come back, share, go off. They're, they're, she is so happy now. They never got to, I mean, she is, they're like having the time of their life, you know? And, but they got, had to go through those three to five years where she was, you know, she wanted to be like glued at the hip. It's like, you're not meant to be glued at the hip. That's just to protect you. If Because if somebody's glued at the hip, then you don't have to learn skills. You don't have to learn who you are. You don't have to build compassion. But when they're different than you, you have to learn skills. You have to learn compassion. No, you have to become more of who you're meant to be. So Relationships could, can bring out the worst in people, sure. obviously, but they also could bring out the best in you. They, 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 cha right. they challenge you to become a better person, a more accepting person, a more patient person. And that's your job. That's what parenting does, too. It's yes. like when you've signed on, this is unconditional love. People treat marriage as if it's not unconditional love, but if you make a good choice, you say, this is unconditional love. I'm not treating this as a temporary trial period. I'm, yes. I'm all in. I'm all in. Right? So how are we going to make the best of this situation? That's right. That's right. And it's always going to be through love and compassion rather than That's judgment right. and scorn. That's right. That's and which right. is why it's always surprising to me when I give that advice to women and I get pushed back. Well, so you know what? So the reason I get pushed back is I've been... An accepting partner, and that Dick still took advantage of me. So wait, therefore, wait, 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 wait. Okay. so yes. therefore, I'm never, yes. Yes. I'm yes. never going to be trusting okay. or selfless so, again. I, I get it, but I'm saying I'm laying it out because I hear it all the time. But this is what I'm going to be a worse partner because I've been treated poorly. No, but this is the thing. No one can take advantage of you without your right, consent. without your consent. And if your partner treated you poorly then that's your opportunity to learn something called boundaries mm -hmm. and to take care of your own needs. So to blame the man, he just actually gave you, a, or a girl or a woman, gave you a great opportunity. Yeah, it's true. It's true. To blame or scorn, like they took, the minute a client says to me, they took advantage of me, I'm like, really? Really, they took advantage of you. Really, how'd they do that? In your and, sleep, and, against yeah, your will. And, and really, so you didn't have a voice? You couldn't say yes or no? Because they call it loving. I'm trying to be loving. No, that's not loving. That's not loving. If you are loving, let me hear this loud and clear. If you are loving somebody else more, wanting their respect more, wanting to be honored more than loving, honoring, respecting yourself, you are in a no-win situation. Yes. So you better practice loving, honoring, respecting yourself. So if they took advantage of you, wake up and start learning boundaries. If they used you and you know spent all your money, Take responsibility. You gave it to them, right? And, that, and that'll never happen again. And you forgive, never have to choose that forgive, man. You never have to forgive, choose such a man again. Forgive. Yeah. So, forgive. But that's the forgive. that's the hard part. Well, you got to forgive yourself. I I couldn't even say about forgiving the man, because uh, that's sort of a separate thing. I mean, we're, there's no by giving responsibility to a woman. This is not a this is not a whitewashing of male misbehavior. Oh, no. Right? Mm -hmm. No one's, no. it's yeah. not a matter of defending that, that yes. person for doing something that m may be objectively wrong, rather than ultimately it's a choice to stay with someone who treats you poorly, right? And if you consistently choose men who treat you poorly, right, that's something about your self-esteem, your boundaries, right. your taste, your upbringing, that's right. That's right. right? But women with high self-esteem who realize that you are a catch and that men are abundant, 
going to drop those guys like a hot potato. Yeah, this is right. It, especially again, if well, I tried to set a boundary, but he wouldn't respect it. Well, then, the, he, then you didn't set a boundary. Well, you or, didn't or, set a boundary. Or you set a boundary, and you again, weren't dealing do with the consequences. There's conse boundaries don't work unless there's consequences. So there's no boundary without a consequence. Now I'm going to leave you if. You and, do this, then, and then you don't. Yeah, the, you and you don't have to like go. I'm gonna leave you if you don't per se right away. You just put the boundary up, and you just keep on putting the boundary up, and you keep on, you know, supporting that boundary and learning those communication skills. And then when it gets to this point where it's like, you know what, I am willing to leave. You do have to leave. I just coached a client who uh, I, sh I was really proud of her. She was in my my love you inner circle and um, found a boyfriend and was raving about him. He was a little more masculine, alpha. Um, uh, very loyal, very passionate, very successful, very communicative, right? He was everything, but he's a negative, critical guy, right? That's it's part of who he is, yes, it's part of his temperament. Yes. Uh, she loved the good. At a certain point, the bad started to outweigh it. And she, with my encouragement, you know, she bounces things off me, she had the courage to leave this guy who made her really, really happy for mm -hmm. six months mm -hmm. because ultimately it was weighing her down. like. Mm -hmm. It's not her job to change this 60-year-old man yes. into someone yes. that he's not. Yes. This guy, whoever he's with next, he's going to be the same guy. He's going to yes. come on strong. And he's going to wine her and dine her and charm yeah. her and sleep with her. And he's still going to be a miserable but, negative person. Right, but some people are okay with that, right? Like I, like I have a client who is with a man who is very alpha, very narcissistic. And she is so good at boundaries. Like she will be like, stop doing that, you know, and... Like, she just has no problem, him, his bad behavior. She just does not take it, right? But most women don't have the courage. They don't have the self-esteem. They don't have the confidence well, to say yes or no. To be fair, I mean, that's a way of handling it, right? But if you don't like a guy who is so dominant and steamrolling, right. if you don't right. want to have to have the, we're not going to do that. You yeah. just want a guy who naturally Depends is on, more yes. selfless and tries yes. to please you yes. more. I, in general, would tell you to choose an easier-going right. guy right. instead of having to work so hard at your boundaries. But she loves it. Right. But again, she that's, her, pro it. that's yes. her prerogative. Yes. I'm always nudging people into easy relationships instead of challenging ones. All right, my guy's difficult, but he's worth it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Teach your own. It's a long ride. I'd rather have a smooth run. But, but no, that, you know, that is a way. You, you know, uh, and, and again, every relationship has boundaries. It doesn't yes. have to be a tempestuous that's one. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I just think that, you know, when you get down to it, it's either fear or love, right? You're either acting in fearful ways to protect yourself and keep yourself safe, or you're acting in loving ways, expanding yourself, becoming more vulnerable, becoming more intimate, you know, exposing yourself more. And the courageous step is always more exposure. It's not about shutting down, it's about opening up. And in order to do this, you have to see your flaws and all. You have to act, you have to be as is. This is who I am, as is, at this age, my weight, my hair, my past relationships. It has to be this way. And so I get to look at myself with deep compassion. I get to forgive myself for my past. And yes, I have to forgive my exes. And I have to forgive my father for killing my mother. And I have to forgive my mother for staying with my father even though he strangled me when I was 12. And I have to forgive my first husband who, you know, like, right, I have to do all that in order to find myself inside that relationship. Otherwise, it's everybody else's fault and not mine. So forgiveness not only is a, you know, once a year or once a quarter thing, it's an everyday thing. And I think when you have forgiveness, it's compassion. Fear or love, fear or love. Dude. Fear or love. Dude. Fear love.
This is the wonderful Rhonda Britton. Um, you can find her at fearlessliving.org. Um, she is a one-stop shop <laughs> for everything fearless. There are no other resources in the world that do quite what she does. I'm going to give her a, a, a second to plug herself, 30 uh, seconds to plug herself. Uh, but. I want to thank you so much for being here. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's my pleasure. Fearlessliving.org. And there's nothing wrong with you. It's just fear. And I'm here to support you to get more fearless. Fearless living. Be fearless. This is Evan Marcatz. This has been the Love You Podcast. And we're going to do more of this. This, <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you. See you next week.